Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. 35,000. That is the approximate number of decisions that you make every single day. That's the approximate number of decisions that I make every day. And believe it or not, I am amazing at making bad decisions. It's very true. You can ask my wife. My oldest child for sure has a running list. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm so bad. I can be so unprepared, so inconsistent. I can be very unfaithful to my values and the things, my core convictions. Uh, I can be naive, believe it or not. I can be too soft or too harsh. I can be, um, I can be, you know, just all over the map when it comes to making decisions. I'm so bad at them. In fact, I can say the wrong thing at the wrong time practically every time I speak. And some of you can bueno that, right? I mean, that's happened all the time here. Um, in fact, I'd love to share one of my worst decisions I've ever made. Can I share that with you? Um, if if you want to hear it, just you might not come back if you're new. So I understand. But here it is. I was 21 years old when I got to lead my first mission trip. A mission trip, we went to another country to help people learn more about Jesus, and uh, we were partnering with an organization. It was in Mali, Africa. I was 21 years old, leading a team. My pastor was there, but he was kind of in the background, and just he let me do all the organization, all the work with the missionaries to coordinate beforehand. And what we were doing is we were, we were actually hosting in Mali, Africa, the very first nationwide youth conference for Christian teens. And and this was not like this was in this was not what you would imagine. It wasn't in a room like this. It was in a, a massive shed that had no walls and dirt floors. Um, hundreds and hundreds of teens came from all over the country. It was, it was like out of a movie. There were kids that biked in for like days. They had traveled in from the bush, you know, to come to this conference. And, and we were a part of this team helping the missionary kind of pull it off, giving him the manpower and helping. We were leading some of the teachings. In fact, that very first day of the youth conference, uh, we, we were there and, and they, they started with music and it was awesome. These Malian, the Malians, they have a, they, they have these drums that they play play. And so there was a bunch of teens that were leading the music and everybody was dancing. I mean, everybody was dancing. It was so incredible. It was just so hype, so much fun. And then I was one of the very first international speakers to go up and to kind of open this whole experience. And so I'm standing on stage and we had a translator because Molly is in, is in West Africa, if you didn't know. So they speak French, but I took French in high school. Just wait. And so I thought, man, I'm going to like, I'm going to just, they're all going to come to Jesus because I'm going to say bonjour and I'm going to let them know who I am. And so I get up there and we have this translator and I introduce myself in French and I say, and then I, what I wanted to say was that I was so excited to be here. But what I actually said was that I am so horny to be here. I can't make it up. I'm sorry I had to go there, but that's. What I said, but can I be honest? That was not my bad decision. My bad decision was that when the translator looked at me confused and said, what did you say? I said it again, but I said it slower. And I said it over 
and over. I said it like four times until a room full of hundreds of teenagers completely lost it. You know where they went. And I had no idea until the very end when the missionary pulled me over and like, Brandon, you really weren't that excited. I just want to let you know. Um, it, was, it was bad. It was bad. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I've said worse things, but we'll just leave it there. I, and, and the reason I can share a story like that in front of you, in front of, in, in front of people that I love, is because I know I'm not the only one who's made a really bad decision in this room. Come on. Come on. We've all made bad decisions. In fact, I would say most of us... Even though you've probably looked around and you could do a quick assessment and see, you're probably in the top five. I get that. You know, you're top five decision maker in the room. I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking to everybody else today that, that we just, we're not that good at making good decisions, right? I'm not saying we don't want to make good decisions. I'm not saying we want to make bad decisions. I'm just saying we don't always get there. Like we want to eat healthy, but... But then we make decisions to eat that third piece of pizza and then bake the cookies, right? Like on January 2nd, hypothetically. I'm not saying that you want to make bad decisions. I know you want to be smart with your words, but, but sometimes you decide to say things that hurt people. Right? That hurt even the very ones you love. I know you want to make wise decisions with your finances. But then you can decide to purchase something you can't afford, and then you're in over your head. I know you want to do the right thing, but you found yourself at the tail end of choosing, of deciding to do the wrong thing. The truth is, many of us can see and look back at our life, and we, we know like we're not always that good at making good decisions. And, and this is a big problem. Like You have to understand how big this is because we make over 35,000 decisions every day. I mean, from the moment you wake up, what am I going to wear? What, what, how many cups of coffee am I going to drink? Which coffee mug am I going to use? Which coffee cup is she going to use? Should I just wash it out or should I rinse it out? Like, should I, what, what, when am I going to pick up my phone? At what point am I going to start scrolling? Should I tap that? Should I like that? Should I comment on that? Should I read the news? Should I not read the news? Should I go to work? Should I call in sick? Like, we, we make a th three. three 35,000 decisions every day. In fact, we make so many decisions that, that cognitive scientists have come up with a term. They call it decision fatigue. Decision fatigue. And it's when as the volume of our decisions increase, the quality of our decisions decrease. Anyone know what you're talking about? What I'm talking about? That's why we all know we're supposed to meal prep. <laughs> Because when you get to the end of a day or the end of the week, of course, of course we're going to go do Taco Tuesday. It's cheap chips. Like, that's what we're going to do. Like, we, we understand that. Of course, we all understand that we can go to work and make really wise, smart, controlled decisions and get home. And, man, we are the worst version of ourselves, right? It's, it's why decision fatigue is what makes this such a huge experience, such a huge problem. I mean, it, it's so, I, I don't mean to be overdramatic. I just want to lean into it because here's something I'm convicted of, is that the quality of your decisions determine the quality of your life. That you make your decisions, and then your decisions make you. And so the question 
I think the question that's on the table for all of us, I think the question that comes up every single new year that we experience, every time we even think about New Year's resolutions is this. Do I like the direction that my decisions are taking me? Do I like the direction? Just think about that for a minute. In fact, I, I have a unique vantage point. We have a unique vantage point that we get to watch so many of your lives, and we get to see so many, so many, so much of the story that not everybody else sees. I mean, I know for some of you, we've been able to watch you make incredible strides this past year. It's amazing. You are not the same person you were a year ago, and, and you've really drawn closer to God. You've, you've got on, on fire in purpose and a passion, and you've started new things in your life, man, new passions that have come alive. And it's amazing. And I know that today you're here and you're ready. You want to know what's next. You want to know what the next step is. You're, you're ready to take that next step forward. Others of you, you know, you just kind of picked your feet up and you're just kind of riding, right? Wherever things take you, you don't care. you do not not worried. Maybe unaware or maybe aware but just not really wanting to think about it that the current uh, current. Uh, currents in our culture, they may be dragging you places and taking you to the spaces that you didn't really ever want to end up. On the other side of that pendulum, there are some of you here today where your life is moving so fast. I mean, you planned a vacation right after the holidays that was so busy and so full that now you need a vacation from your vacation, right? I mean, that's you're moving so fast, you haven't even slowed down enough to ask this question. That if the rat race that you have put yourself in, if the career chase, the ladder chase that you've been fighting for, is that really the direction that you really want to be with all your heart and your soul? Is that really what you're longing for? And I know, too, that for some of you, when you think about that question, honestly, you've just, you're hopeless. You've just lost hope. You've lost hope for your marriage. You've lost hope with your kids. Well, this is just how they're going to be. You've lost hope with that job. You've lost hope with that relationship. You just, man, you're, you've kind of gotten to the end. There's been way too much water that's gone under the, gone under the bridge, and you're just, you're kind of like, hey, this is, this is it. That's it. There's no hope. This is just what it's going to be. And if that's you today, I do, I, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for you specifically because there was another woman who met Jesus one day and she had lost hope. I mean, she, she, was, she was so hardened in her heart, so bitter, so scarred. She had been married five times, but then she had actually was living with her, the sixth man when she met Jesus. And, and when Jesus tried to offer her help, man, she had so much cynicism built up. I mean, she just kind of crossed her arms and shrugged at him like, what could you ever do? It's hope. This is who I am. This is what I do. And I want you to see what Jesus said to her. It's so powerful. John chapter four, this is what Jesus said. He said, if you only knew, look at what he said. If you only knew who I am and the generosity of God towards you. And I'm telling you, for some of you here this morning, this is exactly the word God wants to speak to your heart. If you only knew, if you only knew who I am, if you only knew the kindness and the generosity of God that he has directed towards you, man, if you only knew, you could change your life. Man, you could take your life back because God cares 
God cares about you, and God cares about your decisions, and God cares about your direction. Here's the powerful thing about God. God sees all of the potential inside of you. That's not the best part, though. He not only sees the potential, he knows the plan for how to get you there. Man, he knows how to get you on a path, put you in a direction, heading towards everything you were made for. But beyond that, God has the, sees the potential. He has the plan. But man, God has the power to transform you from the inside out. And the whole reason we're here on moments like this is just to remind ourselves, man, to wake up inside of us, man, who God is and the generosity he has for every one of us. Come on, do you believe that, Nuko? Can you encourage the one beside you? Do you believe that today? You can take your life back with God's help, with God's help, only with God's help, no matter who you are, no matter where you find yourself, you can really experience that life change. And so we are kicking off this series to talk about our decisions because it matters so much. You make decisions and those decisions make you. And what I want to do today is I want to show you a principle. A principle is something that's overarching. It's, it's not just a, a, a specific to one scenario, but it's kind of can rule over top of so many different scenarios in your life, so many different spaces and places. This principle, I want to show you, it's going to be what we talk about for the next seven weeks. We're going to kind of break it down. And today I want to show it to you, but then I want to show you the most important application of this principle for this year. In all of 2024, if you only do one thing, if you do this one one thing, I promise you, you will look back at your life and you won't even be able to recognize the person that you were. That's the power of this God-given principle I want to show you. Is that good? Come on, if that's good, then buckle up, buttercup, pitter-patter, Let's get at her. Here we go. I want to show you this principle. You see it all over scripture. You see it in the first half, the Old Testament, the, the, the second half, the New Testament. You see it in the life and the teachings of Jesus everywhere. It's all over the scriptures. And here it is, the principle. It's the principle of pre-deciding. It's the principle of pre-deciding. And here's what it means. It means before you're in the moment... Before you're at the edge of temptation, before, before you get in the middle of that heated argument, before you make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion, before you predecide, you predecide your direction, you predecide who you will be and how you will choose and how you will respond. You predecide. You, you predecide those things. And I, I'm telling you, this principle, we're going to tease it out over the next few weeks. You're going to hear stories like stories from Abraham's life or from David's life or Ruth, that when she took this moment to predecide what who she would be, your people will be my people and your God will be my God and I will go wherever you go. Ruth made this incredible declaration. Even, even uh, I said David, but jo jo Joshua was one. He predecided for his whole family incredible decisions that they made beforehand, before they were in the moment. And it changed not just the trajectory of their life. It changed the trajectory of nations. It changed the trajectory of our world. Because they decided, they resolved, they had a moment, again, to say yes. Yes to who God was calling them to be. Yes 
to what God was calling them to do. It was before they were in the moment they made these decisions. And the power, the power God gives us in this principle is so incredible. You see it, like I said, in those stories. You see it in the teachings of the Old Testament all throughout. You see it over and over, especially in the Proverbs. Like in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 10, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. Say that whatever would be. Commit to the Lord what? Whatever you do. That means if you're dating someone, commit your dating relationship to the Lord. If you're married, commit your marriage to the Lord. If your parents, commit your kids to the Lord. If, commit that financial decision to the Lord. C- commit that professional decision to the Lord. Commit your J term to the Lord for all our Randolph Macon students here. Commit your school year to the Lord for all our other students here. Commit everything, whatever it is, whatever decision you're making, what, all your what to eat decisions, all your what to wear decisions, everything. Commit whatever it is to the Lord. And here's the truth. Here's what it says. And he will, he will establish your plans. Here's what that means. It means that when we put God and we say, God, I'm going to commit everything to you. I'm pre-deciding. It clarifies and it simplifies. That brings so much clarity. For some of you, it's just a light bulb moment you just had because you've never really thought, I'm just going to commit this to the Lord. And when I do that, it'll clarify and simplify. Not just your decisions. It does it for your plans. It's so powerful. Ahead of time, commit, decide ahead of time that you're going to commit it to the Lord. I told you, you see this all over again. You see it in Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus' teachings in the next few weeks. We're going to look at some of the parables that he tells. Parables are these stories to illustrate. The only thing he's illustrating is this principle right here and the power it has in our lives. He tells it over and over and over again. God's own posture towards you, his own decisions towards you. He practices this idea of pre-deciding. Do you know that before you ever had a chance to say yes to God and his goodness, yes to God and his grace, to receive his work of salvation, while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. He pre-decided he predecided, and in Ephesians, it also says that before you ever took your first breath, God predecided. He prepared in advance works for you to do. God had a purpose and a design on your life before you ever chose who you would be, how you would live, all those things. God predecided. There is so much clarity, so much wisdom, so much power in this God-given principle. Can, can I just say something to you? Because I, I just, I think this isn't like a, a, for some of you, this isn't a brand new idea, right? Pre-deciding, and it's all over our culture, which is crazy. Truth is truth, so it happens like that. But I also want to say that when it comes to God, he does care about your life so much. He wants to be so involved in the details of your life. He's okay. Listen, we tend to separate things. Like, well, here's my, religious life, and then, and then here's my other part of my life. So I'm going to make resolutions to get fit and to eat better and to make better financial decisions, and then I'm also going to make spiritual decisions. But God does not separate the two. Everything, whatever it is, whatever you do, he wants it all to be predecided. And, and, and I want to challenge you today, this idea of predecision. I want to challenge you with the most important decision you must make 
in this year, you must make in your life, but it's not just a one-time decision. It's something you've got to live out day after day. I want to challenge you with this. It's the one thing to do. There's nothing else you're going to walk out and try to do today. Here's the one thing. Here it is. I want you to pre-decide what's first. Because you can tell a lot about a person by what they put first, right? You can tell a whole lot about a person by what they put first. And my challenge to you is this. Predecide to put God first. Predecide. Just make the decision that in 2024, God, God is going to get my first. He's going to be my first. In fact, it is so crucial. I just need some of someone here needs to understand this that this is what Christianity is. Christianity is not going to church. Christianity is not. Is not doing mission trips. Christianity is not doing good things to other people. Christianity is reordering the list of your life. It really is. And if God's not first, listen, God cannot play another part. He, he's not, he was never meant to just be a part of your life or an aspect of your life. God's intent was always to be first. You were made to have God first in your life. That anxiety you deal with, Maybe there needs to be a reordering of who's first. That, that pressure you feel internally, maybe it's showing you that there's a reordering that needs to happen because when you put God first, every need in the depths of your soul, every need that you have in your heart and your mind, all of those needs are satisfied when he is first. I'm telling you, that's what you can experience this year if you make this decision. Do you believe that? Come on, that's, that's what we're called to be. That's who we're called to be, to put God first, to, to have him there, to, to really experience that in every way. And here's what that means. I want to give you such practical decisions in this series. We, we, don't wanna, like, we don't want you to guess. We want you to walk out of here knowing this is what I'm doing. I'm pre-deciding. This is my step. This is my decision. And here's what it means. Putting God first means giving God the first of everything. Putting God first means giving God the first of everything. And I want you to think about what that means, what that really means. In fact, I think this is why it's so brilliant. I hate how layered it's become. I hate how, uh, how just like it's just, it, it's, mad, it's just, it's not so clear. It's so weighted. But really, the concept of tithing in scripture, this is what it's all about. It's not about money. I mean, yes, money is a part of it, but tithing the reason god introduced that idea into his relationship with us it was never about money god doesn't want your money god wants so much more he wants so much more look at this a, a tithe was always meant to be a giving of the first a first fruits gift look at what leviticus 27 says give a tithe of everything that means god wants a tithe of your thoughts he wants a, a, tithe, a tithe is a word. What it means is 10%. It, but really, it's this idea, the first 10. It's the first things. He wants your first thoughts. Man, he, he wants your first words. He wants your first actions. He wants your first decisions. God wants your first. I love Deuteronomy. This, I, I read this as a teenager, and it changed my life, my view forever on this. It's always been the bedrock of why I give, why I do everything the way I do. It says that the purpose of tithing is to teach you always what? To put God first. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. And it's not just about money, but come on. <laughs> well, 
it's about money. <laughs> it's not about us. It's not about the church. It's about a relational principle between you and God. You want to reorder your list? I'm telling you. You put God first. You give God a first of everything. And here's what I want to do. Just to kick off the series, I want to show you four ways, four steps. You don't have to take all four, but I challenge you to pre-decide which one you're going to do this year. Just pre-decide four ways to give God the first. Here's the first one. You need to give God the first of your year. Give God the first of your year. And what we're doing today, that's part of it. In fact, what we've done since we started this church three and a half years ago is every January, the very first Sunday that we gather on January, we kick off something we call 15 days of prayer, 15 days of prayer and fasting. And what it is for us is we're just saying, God, we're just making sure at the first of the year, it's all about you. It's not about my agenda. It's not even about my resolutions. It's about creating space to hear from God what he wants for this year. God, God, what's your heart for me? Not, not like when I look at my pants size, okay, how am I going to, you know, what's my goal? No, God, what's your heart? When you look at my life, does God have the space and the right to speak into your plans? Does God have the right to speak in? I'm telling you, this is why we do this 15 days of prayer. And there's a few ways as a church we, we invite you. In fact, if you go to our website, you will find all kinds of resources. Like one of the things we do is starting tomorrow, 8 a.m., from 8 to 8.30. I know it's not available to everyone, but if there's a window of time you can join us, we're going to do Zoom prayer. And, and if you've never prayed or really created kind of a daily prayer habit with God, you can join us. We teach you how to do it in this time. We do things collectively. We give you some personal time. We kind of like help you with a plan for how to do that. But you can do this Monday through Friday, This all this week, and then all next week as part of this 15 days of prayer. It's how we just say, God, we're going to give you the first of the year. And it's not just, it's not just me saying a bunch of stuff. It's me creating the space to really pause and slow down and ask God, God, what do you say? What do you want? It's so important. We, we have, if, if you have, aren't a big prayer person, I'll be honest, I, it's not something I just naturally walk around and do. I need tools. I need resources. And so one of the things we've done on our website, you can, you can download a 60-page booklet full of tools and resources and different ways to pray and different prayers you can pray, all just because we want to help you in these first 15 days kind of build up that prayer life. And I'm telling you, it's a, I've used it for almost 10 years now. I use that every year to just shape my prayer life, to remind me, oh, yeah, man, I got to, this scripture is so good to just pray over my kids, to pray over my wife, to, to pray over my life. God, this, this posture, this, this remembering this moment of confession before the Lord, just putting those things in the practice, I'm telling you, it's so important you can use that. But here's another thing we do, and something I want to challenge every one of you every one of you to consider how you can engage in this, and that's this. We call it, every January, we do 15 days of prayer and fasting. Fasting. And I'm not just talking about intermittent fasting, <laughs> although I could use some. But uh, it's really this spiritual discipline of fasting, and if you have no idea what that's about, it's very simple. It's this. It's saying no to something so you can say yes to God. It's that simple. And for lots of people, and for lots of years, people have done food fasts as one of the most common ways to do it. And that can look a lot of ways. You can maybe pre-decide to do for the next 15 days to just fast 
food, maybe it's just a, a pure fast water and juices. If that's you, I'm, make sure you check with your doctor. You know, those are, those are decisions you need to take with some consideration, but maybe that's a fast. For some of you, it's fasting certain types of foods like sugars or certain, you know, or maybe sodas or broccoli. I mean, it'd be a great thing to fast broccoli for the next 15, year, 15 years. Yeah. I think that sounds bueno. Um, but I, whatever it is, fast some kind of food. Maybe for some of you, it's fasting a meal. I know something I've done often is I'll fast my lunch, but I don't just work through lunch. I, I, I set an alarm, and I make sure for that 30, 45 minutes, I'm actually taking that time to press into my relationship with God. Again, it's not just stopping something. It's stopping something, saying no to something so I can say yes to God. And food can be a powerful expression of that, but I'll tell you for me, and this may just be for me and for Hannah, our most powerful times of fasting have come when we've done what we call a soul fast. And that means no social media, no Netflix. I know. And I don't mean we just go to Hulu. I mean like we just, <laughs> all right, no more Netflix. We're just going to clean stuff. <laughs> Anyways, no. Um, I mean, just really taking that evening time, that, that time when we can kind of just, you know, we're, we're making decisions and we don't necessarily like the direction. It's like, maybe we just need to take a pause. I'm telling you, every year we've done this. We planted this church. We didn't even know God was calling us to this. It, it came out of the season of fasting. <laughs> we, we, were, we were struggling with debt issues and we prayed and we're asking for breakthrough and actually what God asked us to do is be more generous and start giving more. And that all came out of fasting. You know what God did, man? He delivered us from our debt. It's incredible. I mean, it was a miracle. I, I'm not saying that's what God's going to do for you. I'm just saying there is so much of our life that's marked by seasons of fasting where we've seen God show up in ways that we could never manufacture. And I'm just, I'm just saying, man, I'm trying to inspire you that maybe that's what God wants to do for you in 2024. Find a way. Find a way. Predecide for the next 15 days to give the first of your year to God, to find a way to fast and engage. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God could change your life. Bueno? Let's go. That's the first one. Here's the second one. Is I want to encourage you to give God the first of your month. Give God the first of your month. And I'm going to actually invite the worship team to come up because we're going to finish here in just a minute. But this is what I mean with that. What, what would it look like if you made sure, maybe you set a, 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 a reminder on your calendar at the top of your month to just make sure that you didn't schedule God out of your calendar. <laughs> you ever done that? Like, like I just, we're so busy. We're just, we're gone every weekend. We're, I'm, I can't do a small group. I've, we've got 20 things. And we've just kind of, we've just kind of, man, we have made our schedule run our life. It's deciding things for us. And we, didn't, we didn't necessarily want that to be the decision. What would it look like if you made sure that didn't happen and you gave God the first of your month. Here's another thing, and I just want to challenge some of you that maybe that means financially that you give God the first. It really is a, a call to give that tithe. Here, here's the thing for, for, and I'll just say for Hannah and I, we make sure that our tithe check to new community is the first thing out of our account, not the last thing. We want God to get our first fruits, not our last fruits. And, and that's not a pride thing, and I'm not... I hope you hear my pastoral heart. It's not because God wants something from you. It's because of what God wants for you. And for some of you, man, you know that God has put you in that space. You know he's inviting you. Predecide today that this is a year where God gets the first. 
And here's what's so brilliant about tithing. I'm telling you, it's so brilliant. It's percentage-based, so here's what that means. I'm not in charge. He is. It's 10%. You know what that means? That means if I get a raise, it's 10%. It means if I lose my job, it's 10%. (laughs) It, It means if I get that bonus, it's 10%. It means no matter what, I'm not in charge because ultimately I'm not in charge. And you're not in charge. And God can do more, more with your 90% than you can do with 100. I'm telling you, that's just been our story. And I don't want you to miss out on really experiencing God first. So we're going to give them the first of our year. We're going to give them the first of our month. Here's the third one. I want to encourage you to pre-decide to give God the first of your week. Can I just speak to the parents in the room right here? What would happen if you pre-decided what would happen if you predecided that your kids were in church 52 weeks a year? Man, I'll tell you this. I love our kids team, and I think there's lots of churches like this, but I just want to brag on them for a minute. We know what we're doing for the next 52 weeks for your kids. We have a strategic, thought-through, planned-out, age-appropriate plan for how they can really discover who God is and who he made them to be in such a way that speaks to their heart. And I'm telling you, what would happen if you decided that we're going to give God the first of our week and we're going to make sure we serve him and we worship him, but we're also going to learn from him. We're going to lean in. We're going to give our kids that space. What would happen in their life? What would happen in your life? What would happen if you gave God 52 weeks of this year? I'm telling you, telling you there is so much God could do and please hear me it's not about the Sunday it's not about the program it is not about the speaker thank God it is about being in God's presence it's about reordering the list of my life and making sure that nothing nothing takes first place even Jesus even Jesus he said God deserves to be first over your family over good things over your spouse that's exactly how you were made to live. I'm telling you, the best thing for your spouse is if you put God first. Parents, the best things for your kids is if you would put God first. The one who's still single, still waiting on that 6'5 hunk of a man, or 5'9, the best thing you can do for her The best thing you can do for him is to put God first. Yeah? Got to put God first. Give him the first of our year, our month, our week. And here's the final one. Give God the first of my day. Does God have your first thoughts? Man, I'm just peeking myself. It's hard when the alarm's on the phone. I mean, they just, the swipe happens. You don't even think about it. And all of a sudden, you just got so many decisions. And God's just asking us, do we like the direction that our decisions are taking us? I'm just telling you, could, could you give God your first words? We talk about it here. We talk about what's called a, a kind of a daily habit of meeting with guys. We call it a quiet time. Like 15, 15 minutes. Everybody has 15 minutes. Everybody. Like what if you just decided this year to make sure that God got the first of your day? I'm just telling you from my life, my day goes different when he gets the first. When 
I wake up and my mind's already rolling and I'm late and we're getting the kids, you know, out of bed, trying to get them to school. And I mean, it's just chaos. But when I create a buffer of 15 minutes, here's what we talk about. It's three fives, five minutes in God's word. And we've got a reading plan for you on our website. You can jump in, read the Bible all year long, five minutes in God's word. You can do five minutes of worship. Man, what would it be like if you really took time to just focus on the greatness of God? Maybe that means you, you just pop on a worship song. And you just let your first words of the day be about him. Imagine. Imagine speaking that over your home, over your bedroom, over your, man, I mean, just imagine that. And then taking five minutes just to pray. Man, just to get in God's presence and just realign your heart to what he wants, to who he is. I'm just begging you to pre-decide, to give God your first this year. And I'm telling you, it will change your Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.